First, I want to um, I want to thank my, my dear friends Hannah and David Ogaya for once again opening up their home. Even without us here, this is a home that's filled with Torah and Shemaim. And it should be only Simcha, Nachas, and Bracha. Every single inch should be filled with Simcha, Nachas, and Bracha. And, and for all of us to start the year, Baruch Hashem, I'm very excited. I want to tell you what this is about. This is a mysterious Sefer. This only came out, this came out a few months ago. And there's a, really a small group of individuals who know about it. You're now part of this uh, intense search for the Sefer. Because there's something very unusual about it. My original plan... I had already attended at the end of last year that I wanted to learn with, with our Chavra that we should learn a Sefer, that everybody should have the Sefer, we should learn the Sefer, we should, we should, have, we should be kind of something that we could take with us from the year and that each and every that we should have a Sefer that we're working on. My original intention in, in, uh, at the beginning of the summer is that we were going to do time with the and, and I, I even ordered a whole bunch of them I have in the office that a Mitchum will be for next year. Then when this Sefer came out, and there's a whole Indian of how I found it, and then I, I spoke to a few tzaddikim about it, and there's a whole rush right now in Yushalayim among uh, tzaddikim about this sefer. So then I, I, I was able to get it, and, and I looked at it a little bit, and I, you know, I fell in love with it. And I saw that this is something that we're going to have to do before, we, before we're ready for time at her, for the Ramak's time at her. I think that over the course of maybe a year, a year and a half, we could finish this sefer maybe two years, to finish the cipher. It's not hard. That's the beauty of it. It's very, very clear, simple, to the point. Um, if you tell people that they didn't hear of it yet, they're going to be hearing of it in Mitzvah. The author is anonymous. There's no name in the cipher. It's called Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, as you can see. In my heart, I will build a Mishkan for Hashem. And the, reason that, the reason that I fell in love with it is because I was taken by how, by how clear and how concise to the point and how simple the, the structure of the Sefer is. What's the point of the Sefer? We'll see very quickly. Basically, the point is to introduce us to Hashem, to help us, to, to, to help us attach ourselves to Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's not a work on philosophy. It's not, and he, he, there's an introduction we're not going to do right now, and it's not, it's not, uh, Quoting from a hundred different storm, there's hardly a quotation that's found in it. His intention was, as, he, as we'll see as we go through it, his intention was to introduce us to Kaddish Baruch Now I know that sounds ridiculous. It sounds crazy, and we hear almost almost everybody here, we're, we're Orthodox Jews either from the home. Everybody else who's not from the home has become over the years. And obviously that's because we want to connect to Hashem, we want to be close to Hashem. But there's something very, very much that's missing in our lives, in our, in our whole understanding of Yiddishkeit. And when I learned this cipher, uh, when I was learning it this summer, I realized that this is something that we all just have to go through. And that, and that it, it speaks directly to the point and that so many of the hundreds of other things that we've been learning through our lives have been talking about it and making, and there are all kinds of explanations and quotes and, and binyanin and buildings of beautiful concepts and ideas and, and it's hard for us to sort out from all of that and to come to the inner nakuda, the inner point and, and this is not it's not litfish, it's not chasidish it's not svadish, it's, it's everything and the, as he wrote in the introduction and it's clear you know, I'm trying to find out who the person is, I have a couple of leads right now <laughs> I have someone, there were a few people looking into it that it was, it was written in such a hidden way and has the haskamas of all the great tzaddikim mukhabalim in Yushalayim, and meaning the approbations of, the, of some of the great mukhabalim. And, and uh, his intention was that it should be something which is, which is inclusive, is the Dvar Hashem. And uh, otherwise it's very hard for me to give any more of an introduction other than we should start to learn it. I think it's something that we could manage to live with, live with and take with us. It's a tiny little safer and we could have it with us and to grow with it together. Yes, in your way. Is it in English anywhere? No. No, no, no. no. But, but I want to tell you something. Uh, the, the Hebrew is very, very uh, clear. It's simple. And, and, and uh, I'm going to be working on it with you, and we'll, I'll, I'll try, but it's not, it's not in English, no. It just barely came out in Hebrew. We didn't get to this. It's just mamish. It's just, it's new. When I was in the, I was in the uh, 
So I was trying to get in a few places here, and I was in the Swarm store in Brooklyn. And, and uh, when I came in, he said, I bet you're looking for the Bil Rabbi Mishkan Evna, right? He said, we had it ready today. Uh, uh, over 35 people came looking, and this is when I went to look for it. And, and you'll see why. And it's, again, it's not like it's fancy vertlach that you could say at the Shabbos table. It's just a clear premise of why we're in this world and what we have to do. So let's begin. <coughs> It'll be very good to, for those who are able to, obviously, I, especially if they're children, it's very unpredictable. And then we have Mitch Shankalas over here, they'll be busy with the Hassanim. So it's, uh, it, it, it's very difficult, it's very difficult to predict from one week to the next, but it's very, very Kedai to try to keep up a Hamshech, not to miss, because, because it, it's, it's very hard to, to get into the, into the flow. There's a certain order, and the order is very specific. And it's not like you're learning something on Chumash or an idea, and it's something which follows the Seder, and we have to keep to the Seder. So, to the extent that you're able to either to come or to try to hear the, the recording, but to keep in the, in the Seder of the Seder. Reishis Avaidas Ha'odom Lovar Laatmo Mahataklas Shalchayv. The beginning of one's service of, of God, of the human being serving God, is to clarify to himself. And it should be clear to him what's the tachlis of his life, what's the purpose of his life, what's the point and the objective of one's life. Let's begin with a small introduction. Every single Jew knows that which is most obvious and simple that there's a creator of the world. Who created the world, Ubara Osai, and created him, created each and every one of us. Umakhaya is kala ilum kulai, and is every single second giving life to the world. Ubuchlalam af aisai, and Hashem is giving life every single second to every flower and bird and tree, and certainly Hashem is every single second infusing each and every one of us with life. Habaya ilum aimalakal adam mahumavakishmana. And the creator of the world is telling each and every one of us what he wants from us. However, the root of the problem, the problem of, our, of, of, of being an Ebed Hashem, of being a servant of Hashem, is there, is, comes from what? Even after Hashem has written a beautiful Tanakh for us, and he's given us a million svarim. And we have all the, and we had the Nevi'im, the prophets, and the Tanoim, and the Amaroim, and the Ga, and the Savaroim, and the Ga'in, and the Rishonim, and all the Achraim, and in our generation, great Tzadikim. Most of us, he says, most of us walk around not really having a clear idea of Bidayuk. What is it, what it exactly is it? What is exactly that Hashem wants from me? What does Hashem want from me throughout the course of my life? <coughs> so you might ask, a person would ask, what are we dealing with here? Are we talking to people who don't know that the Torah comes from Shemaim, that, that Hashem gave us a Torah? We already received the Torah. In which it's clearly explained, the Torah tells us, that the tachlis of our lives is to observe all 650 mitzvahs. And then we have, of course, the oral Torah that tells us how we're to observe these 650 mitzvahs. Some we can't because they don't have a besamikdash, others we can. Who's obligated, who's not obligated, and how if a, per, a, per, a man, this other bramis has to put on tefillin, so the oral Torah tells us what the tefillin look like, and how she put on tefillin, and so on. And how do we keep Shabbos? The Torah says, you have to keep Shabbos, we don't know what that means exactly. We have, it was handed down to Meshur Rabbeinu, and each and every one of us has been taught exactly what Hashem wants us to do. He wants us to keep Shabbos, and this and this way, don't do this and do this. Malobahemis. However, the truth is, Ha'ilam Nikra, Ha'ilam Milashin Ha'alim. The Tzadikin have taught us that the word Ha'ilam, Olam, world, is from the word Ha'alim. Ha'alim, of course, means that which is concealed and hidden. Hiddenness. The Kan Ba'ilam Ha'bilbul Gadol Ma'ad. And in this world, the confusion 
is very, very great. Because the nature of the world is that it confuses us. That's what it means. The Olam is the source of all He'elein. Kikach Ritzemiz Baruch Because it seems that this is the will of Hashem. Shekol's man she'adam lo'yemishtaykeg v'amel ma'ayd As long as a person doesn't yearn and work very hard levarer bidiyuk in order to clarify to himself in his life Ma Hashem Elokecha Shoel Mi'imach as it says in Chumash What does Hashem your God ask of you? What does He want of you? Lo Yedazais In other words, what he's saying, what the Tzadik here is saying is that it seems that with all the information that we have and all that's been handed down to us the world is a world that confuses and Hashem created the world in such a way that unless each and every one of us engages in this desperate search to find out what does the Rabbani Shalom want from you? Here we're living in a community that's filled, thank God, with Orthodox Jews. With Orthodox Jews. And if you ask, if you stop anybody, it could be even in the middle of in the middle of the day, what they're in the middle of what they're doing, it could be even God said something that's not so pure, not so holy. Are you a religious Jew? Yes, I'm a religious Jew. What makes you a religious Jew? I, I, you know, I spend fifty thousand dollars on tuition. I'm not religious, and, 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 and look where you look where you found me. You found me online in Zambix or Chapanash. You found me online in the silver shop buying a becher for my, you know, for, for, for somebody for for a kala, a chasen, whatever. So you know, I'm not Orthodox. show me. What does the Bereshit want from you? You're an Orthodox Jew. You're a Yid. What does Hashem want from you? Unless a person wants the answer to that and is prepared to do anything to find out what the answer to that is, the world will confuse him. And you can go around thinking that you're a religious orthodox person because you you are officially observant of at least the basics of the religion. We have no shyness to the master of the world. Not the slightest connection to HaKadosh Baruch that unless you want to know and unless you care not just care but you care about this more than anything else on earth more than your family more than anything else the way that the world is is that it's a, that the world brings a headline it brings confusion and concealment and your life will be one mahalach one great Stretch of confusion, of irbuv and helen. Like the Mabul, in the parish of the Mabul, Rashi says, of course, the Mabul, one of the meanings of Mabul is nirvala sakol. It causes everything to become disintegrated and destroyed. And it's nirvala sakol. And it causes confusion. Confusion. That place of the world, that place in the world where, the, where right now there's, there's a war going on in that part of the world in Bavel, from there came all the bilbul, all the confusion. You might officially be part of the tribe and you're a card-carrying member and you belong to some Orthodox shul and your kids go to yeshiva. But really, you will not have a clear path, a clear way how to serve Hashem. What I'm saying is this. Certainly, every Orthodox Jew knows that he or she has to observe all of the mitzvahs. Ulam, however, Avodas Hashem, he enenerakim, shall mitzvahs nevzorois kol parmas nevdamen loyal adam. Next page. Page base. However, he says, serving God is not just the haphazard observance of a bunch of different mitzvahs. Kol parmas nevdamen loyal adam. No, whatever mitzvah happens to come up. Oh, so look at that. Here we go with sukkah. So let's 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 take care of the sukkah, and, and then the uh, you know the family will have the uh, the men will take care of their lulav and esrog, and we'll bench also, and and we have our yontiv meals and so on, and then we wait and stick around until Shabbos comes with some other mitzvah. And then obviously they're going to come uh, they're going to come closer to mitzvahs, and for and for the women there are always opportunities, especially on Ramachaver, and then we wait from Shabbos to Shabbos, and what's the next thing is Hanukkah and so on, and this is how we live as mitzvahs come our way, we try our best to keep them. And when our various present themselves, God forbid, we try to avoid them. 
That's not called Avadis Hashem. I mean, Halavai, that, I mean, if a person would do that, that's good that a person should try to do mitzvahs and not God forbid to do affairs. But Avadis Hashem, of Mahashem Lakecha Shoel Nimach, is this all that God wants of us in our lives? But the Rebbe here is explaining is that Hashem wanted us to keep, of course, all 630 mitzvahs. But not a mitzvah here, a mitzvah there, a little piece of this, a piece of that. The Baruch wanted us to, to build our lives in a certain seder, in a certain order, by using the Tayag mitzvahs to get closer to Hashem. Not just I'm observant, and, and my observance means that as these mitzvahs present themselves, or God forbid, the Averis, I do or I don't do. But I have no game plan. I have no attachment to God. I just live my life waiting for these things and observing or refraining from certain things. And so, the Rebbein Shalom wanted us, he says, to keep the 630, 630 mitzvahs, the Tzur in a way of building something, step by step, and getting closer to Hashem. Shah mitzvah zivnu as Adam karoi, that the mitzvah should be used as a means of building ourselves. Therefore, we need to have a clear path. How do we observe those very same mitzvahs, but in a way, in a way that builds us? Now, what that means exactly, he's going to explain. How do we begin? How do we begin? We're already uh, people who are uh, 20 years and, and, and older, and how do we begin this binyan, this building? Because mostly until now, it has been this, uh, an ashray here, a baruch shema there, a kriyashma, a chaysach seider, a this, a that. How do we build ourselves? And what's the beginning? And ma'ahemshech, and what's the continuation? And what's the tachlis of all these mitzvahs? It must become clear to a person, how do the mitzvahs build my soul? The case of Amahalach Shokim Advan, and what is the order of how I should continue? Mauharashis, what's the beginning? Mahemshaf, the continuation, or Mahatachis, and what's the purpose? Hatayag Mitzvah's Nidnul Adam, the 630 Mitzvahs have been given to us. Ulam Alha Adam Levaralo, Ezel Mitzvah Yeshla Haskilva, yet a person must clarify what should I focus on in the beginning of my Vodas Hashem. And that doesn't mean bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah. It means when you decide to be an Eved Hashem as opposed to just keeping things here and there. Kamuvan sheish mitzvah shakol yom, the shalzman shaposh, say the kimmel of asking. Obviously, we're not talking about the fact that a person must, you have to keep the mitzvahs. You can't say, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't get to that subject yet at Shabbos, so maybe I'll keep that in a few years. We have to keep everything that we're able to keep. But in terms of building my relationship with Hashem and building myself up as a Jew, what do I begin with? Ahavas Hashem, Yiras Hashem, there's love of God, there's fear of God, Vekas Hashem, attachment to God. Mitzvahs Rabbis, there are many mitzvahs. And it's not supposed to be just haphazard. We have to work on things and we have to go in a certain order. If you don't know the correct Seder, the correct order of how to grow in your service of God, that is the Ha'alein, that is the greatest concealment. And when there's concealment and confusion, you go to 120, you never ever got to the tachas of the mitzvahs. Beis. Reish is called the beginning. Before we can actually approach the clarification of this matter, this is not so partial. That means that a person has to sincerely want to find the answers to these questions. If this doesn't interest you, then it's not going to help. You have to sincerely want to know what's the tachlis and, and how can I build myself up to be a servant of God. One has to look at life in the correct way. To understand what is our purpose, what's our position here in the world. What are we doing here in the world? The first thing that a person has to know is that our entire purpose of being created and being in this world is to serve God. That's our entire purpose. Now that sounds like the simplest thing. Our entire purpose in this world is to serve God. Every single minute of life. That's our entire purpose here. It's to serve Hashem. And this is our obligation and it's our schus. 
It's our schus. It's our privilege. Sha'aleinu levara is called surah zachayim kan, that we have to understand and to clarify for ourselves the very nature of life in this world and what it means. Aleinu lahavinu lahargish shemakom ha-menucha va-onig sha'ach lo'elam ha-scharagan eidem v'chadayme. That we have to understand and we have to feel and we're going to work on this throughout the entire Sefer. That the place of Menucha and Einig, the place of rest and delight, is not in this world. It's It's in the world of, of the ultimate reward, which is Gan Eden, after this world. So, to begin with, we understand, especially in our times, that if you ask, and I've done this many times with high school students when I was teaching, and and adults will, for the most part, try to say something more sophisticated. But when you ask kids, so what's the tachas of life? The the usual response of a high school kid will be to be happy. To be happy. So adults feel that that sounds a little shallow. So they try to say something a little bit you know more sophisticated. But really, what they're thinking is to be happy. That's the tachas of life: to be happy. And obviously, when that becomes when that becomes something which is certain in your mind, in your heart, that your purpose of life is to be happy and to have a good life, that that's the purpose of life, to have a good life and to be happy in this world, so then you understand that you're going to be in for a lot of disappointment and aggravation. Anybody who's seichel understands, but the, that helling of this world takes away from us the clarity of the underlying truth that we were not created to enjoy ourselves. And we were not created, and we were not created to rest or to relax in this world. That whole outcry of our generation, I need my space, right? I need my time, and so on and so forth. And the increasing need for menucha and onig in this world, for rest and for pleasure in this world, is a source of a tremendous distortion. The, the, a tremendous distortion of what the whole tachlis of our life is, which is Avodah Hashem. And a person who feels... He says, a, a person has to not only intellectually understand, but come to feel mamish in every single cell of his of, of his body to feel that what that this is not the place. This is, it doesn't mean that, that a Jew is not allowed to have some menucha, and it doesn't mean that we're not allowed to have pleasure. And halacha, of course, deals with that, and there's nothing wrong. But if one thinks that the tachlis of some of your life, if one thinks that the tachlis of one's life, the people that we spoke about last year, we're learning a lot from the from the about parenting, and we spoke about this more at the beginning. We talked about shmir seyaladim, that feeling that a person has that I want to have kids, but I want to have kids in order to enjoy them. I want to enjoy my children. I've heard this a thousand times. And when the children become unenjoyable, then they become more and more delegated to others who have the patience and the tolerance and you'll pay any amount whatever is necessary so you should be able to continue enjoying your life because the children who you thought would just bring enjoyment turn out to be much more complicated and and everything doesn't go so simply in school and not even not at home and then God forbid there's sometimes health issues emotional issues and so on and so forth and if one's tachlis and having the children is to enjoy the children that that's the tachlis of having a kid, is to enjoy the kid, not to say you can't have intense pleasure, of course. But if that's the tachlis of having a child, then, you've, then, then you, you're, you're part of a terrible, terrible distortion. That's totally the antithesis of Pharaoh's mistress. The true, truth is that the tachlis that's been revealed to us from Torah, from the Vimiksuvim, and from all the Svarim, is that and from Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu is that tachlis in this world is to be a servant of Hashem which does not, again, does not mean to say that one can't have time to relax as part of one's service of God but when your form of relaxation contradicts the tachlis of your life then it's no longer acceptable and, and as long as a person sees this as two vying needs of his life my need to be an observant Jew and my need to indulge so he hasn't, he doesn't yet, he hasn't come to this point of feeling and understanding and feeling that my tachlis is avodas Hashem. That's my tachlis. Va'aleinu levarer, ma'hi yaderach hamutzekes shabo aminidrach lavo posei his baal shemo. We need to clarify what is the 
solid and clear path towards this service of Hashem, to understanding this and feeling this, which through the course of the Sefer, hopefully we'll come, we'll come to terms with this. But what he's saying at the very beginning is, if you're not interested in finding out more about this, and if you're somebody that would prefer to avoid this um, awesome uh, uh, truth, that our tachlis here is not manucha and ha'inig, is not rest and relaxation and pleasure, but our tachlis here is every single second of life to serve God, then to begin with, he says, you're going to have a big problem learning this cipher, maybe it's not for you. Hadvaran shanu oiskem behemkan, what we're going to talk about here, enim rayonos v'chadoma, I'm not here to give you interesting ideas to think about. That we could go and talk about, and isn't this interesting? We're here to talk about a way of life, simply, exactly what that means. A way to live a true life in this world. Again, we don't have to become frightened that it's going to cause any huge changes, like we're not going to have to move anywhere, or to, or to that, that's not the point either. Many, many times I've had there are a lot of a lot of the agmas nefesh, um, not just in our community, in our kehila, in our chevra, but in other places that is that the that the men, to a large extent, have been sitting in bismedrish for years and years. Many of them have been sitting and learning for many, many years, and are involved even on a day-to-day basis in an intense uh, study of Torah. Women, Baruch Hashem, in our generation and in our neighborhood have tremendous opportunities that they've never ever had before. But many of you went to yeshiva, went to even the seminary, and, and you're able to be here tonight learning. This is something that our, our mothers and grandmothers never would have dreamt of. And, and yet, as far as the intensity of that learning and the time that's, that one is able to put into being in shul and feeling that, that uh, connection that comes through the intense study of Torah and being surrounded by the Bismedrish and one's Rebbe and so on. Obviously that's something which is much more difficult for women to experience and even in our generation. And as a result of this, I, there, there oftentimes there is, I have found in our Kehila, not just in our Kehila, but talking in many, many places, I found that the, 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 a typical thing that will happen, I, I found this a number of times in, in, in shul, that there will be, a, there'll be a, a husband, that there will be a man that wants to go learn. He wants to go learn, he wants to go to a shir. I had an interesting conversation with somebody that, whose wife said, you could have mincha twice a week, you can go to mincha, and I can go twice a week for exercise. There was a, in other words, this is an exchange. Or then you'll have, you can go to shul, Shabbos morning, on time, if you'll take the kids to shul. You get them dressed and take them to shul. That has no, without any question of what bearing will the kids' presence have on your davening. That's not the issue. The issue is, we'll make a deal. You have your thing, I have my thing. Shabbos is, I'm also entitled to rest. That's 100% true. Right? So, you'll take the kids to shul at 8.30. Right? Or... I'll give you a minute if you give me a chance to a chance to take a nap, whatever it might be. But there are these like there are a lot of bothering things going on, and this is this is I've had these discussions many many times, as if as if minche is something which is negotiable, right? So in other words, I'm not saying that your wife's minche is negotiable either, but when you have these vying, when there's this competition between minche. Two nights, you get two minchas, and I get two times that I can go for exercise. Otherwise, you're gonna have to, you, you have to stick it out with me, or you have to, you know, we have to, you have to help me. So it's not so much that a person shouldn't help or can't help. It's a question of where does that thought come from? Where does that, where does that come from? That's new in our generation. There was never such a thing by our mothers and our grandmothers. Take the kids to school at eight thirty. I have to rest because my mother, I never met my grandmother. My mother's way of thinking was. My mother didn't have an easy life. My mother's way of thinking was that it's, the, it's, it's absolute responsibility and it's a schus to our family that my husband is in shul on time being able to concentrate on his davening. And davening without, without uh, uh, holding a tzutzel in a bottle and, and running out in groups and all of these different things that we have to do in order to be able to accommodate the men's davening. There's a whole distortion that's taking place in our generation. A zif, an unbelievable distortion. And where does this come from? It comes because a person doesn't understand. What's the tachlis of life? If the tachlis of life, in other words, if one says to one's husband, listen, I understand, sweetheart, you enjoy learning. 
You enjoy learning. I enjoy. I enjoy an extra hour of, of sleeping. You enjoy mincha. I enjoy aerobics. <laughs> you enjoy. You enjoy your shear. I enjoy my shear. Right. That's already, that's already more complicated. That gets, that gets more complicated. And in those situations, I, 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 I've always tried to try to, I've always tried to work that out. That's already, that's a chosher, that's already something chosher. So, that, where does that come from? And I find that there's a terrible problem, and, I, and, and, I, and I'm not quite sure how to deal with it, but I find so many of the guys, they're like getting more into it, and these wonderful tzadkanias that they're married to, may oftentimes just don't get it. Like, you, you, you'd like to have a minute. I would also like to go away from the house and get away from the kids for 15 minutes or a half hour. I would also like that. Well, why should you? Where does that come from? Obviously, there's something wrong with one's understanding of Mincha. There has to be a mistake in one's understanding of Mincha. And, and I'm not talking about a, a husband who is always looking for opportunities to, 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 to avoid responsibility. I'm talking about a good guy, a nice husband, a caring husband who tries to help. And I've had this dozens of times over the years. Why should he get a mincha? I would also like to go to mincha. Why can't I go to mincha? I'd also like to go. Let him watch the kids. I'll go to shul and bat mincha. I'll bat mincha in shul. All of these svaras, all of these ideas, whenever I hear them, it's so sad. And the reason I said it's not because of something in Shulchan Aruch. It's hard to explain because I know I can't sit down with this wonderful woman and say, you know, it says in it says in Shulchan Aruch that he has to have mincha. You know, I, 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 that's, I can't I can't use that as a way to explain to her why her husband should go to mincha. The whole understanding of what it means to be a Jew is totally off. Of what it means to be an Evan Hashem, she doesn't understand what it means to raise children, because raising children is avodas Hashem every single second, and she doesn't understand what does it mean for her husband to have mincha, and he might not understand that either. But at least, at least we hope that since he's learning and he's in the base of Madras, that something somehow will seep in, right? Over the years. But it's much harder for the women who, to, who historically have been excluded from base Madras. And now they have more opportunities to learn, but it's still very, very difficult. It all comes from this distortion of what is the tachlis of being in this world. What's the tachlis haritsu? That's what, he's, that's what he says over here. Surakates alichias chaim amitias aleadmas. The question, how do we live a true life in this world? A life that's true. That, that svara, that concept, mincha for, you know, mincha for mol, mincha for aerobics, whatever it is, mincha for night out with my friends, that concept is false. It's not a question of whether it's nice, it's not nice, it's understanding, that husband is compassionate, there's somebody that's telling me that, you know, in my house, my father stayed home to help, he didn't, he didn't run to shul right away, 8 o'clock to hear a shir, Shabbos morning, my, my, your, your father-in-law, your father stayed home to help, and he only went to shul a quarter to nine, ten to nine, because he was a good person and he helped me. It's a total lie. Good and bad? Who says what's good and bad? Who says what's right and wrong? It's a hefkefeld? We, we don't have a God? We don't have a God. What's good is that your husband be in shul 8 o'clock. Not to say that you can go 8 o'clock and get himself up and you help him get up. That he should be 8 o'clock to hear a little bit extra shir and to say a few kapilach That's good. What about if it's on your cheshman? If it's on your cheshman? And A, there are other ways that your husband should be compensating at different times. Right? A, and, and B, and B, that when a person understands the emis, then she knows that it's for her good. I have couples that are studying, for instance, that they're, they're, there's an increasing amount of, of men that like to go to Uman for Rosh Hashanah, right? And I'm sure there's some of you that are starting to get nervous that you feel like it's creeping up on you. <laughs> that you're gonna, your, your husband's eventually going to say, I, like I want to go with the guys to Uman, right? So, at least my wife knows that I have to be here, Rosh Hashanah. But if you're not the rabbi, then you can go. So, what's going to happen on that day when, you, when your husband says, you know, I hear that Uman's going to hold it, 15,000, 20,000 Jews, I, I, I would like to go. So, there have been many, many problems in these situations. Obviously, it's difficult, and it's lonely, and there are problems. And, it's, and, and you'll have some women, they'll say, that, my, that for my husband to be able to be her for Rosh Hashanah for two, three days and to, and to daven for our family, what that could accomplish for our children, our grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, our 
that's something which even though it's hard and lonely, again, I'm not recommending, I'm just saying, there's a way of looking at reality. It's a way of, and then you'll have another person say, over my dead body, he's not going, what, he's going to go to Russia a couple of days with the guys to have this, he's me or what? Crazy, I'm letting him go to, I'm letting him go to Russia, the sugar. What, he should go running around, I'm going to be stuck here with everybody? They can go, but we'll go to Paris. Paris. Who's buried in Paris? Everybody in Paris is buried. Everybody in Paris, Karen. You can go to Paris. Not in France, I just put that. Uh, okay. You know what? It's true, Karen. And maybe that's correct. And you could, and, and again, then we're getting into the bartering. And you could say, well, you know what? You'll take your trip to Uman. And then after Sukkot, I'll take my three days to, to Hawaii. You know, I'll take my three days. Or you know what? You don't have to even go to Hawaii. You just have to go to some other house and lock the door. It's just a little quiet, right? You have to go far away. So I'll take my three days. You know what? You have your three days in Uman. But you see, when you're starting to make the deal, it's just a shaker. It's just a question of not understanding the truth of our existence. Unless, unless you know, God forbid, we're talking about a husband that's, that's, that's not on the level. But if somebody is on the level and sincerely... You know, I'm just using this as an example because I had a couple of things like this recently you know, over, the, over this past Rosh Hashanah. It's a question of understanding what's the endless of, my, of life? What's the tachlis of life? So how do these three days fit into the tachlis of life? In other words... Does the Baruch Hashem want me to sit like this on Rosh Hashanah? So, if you're angry and bitter and upset and, you don't, and you're not thinking about the Tachas, the answer is always going to be, no, of course Hashem doesn't want that. And you'll find some Chosher or Rav that will tell you that that's wrong for him to do that. And then you'll say, you see, the Rabbi said it's wrong. <laughs> when a person is living with the Emes, the Emes, the Emes, so then it's a different parish. It's a different way of life. And you'll have other people that are encouraging and excited and begging that the husband should come. Even though it's going to create hardships for them. Even could be bigger hardships. It could be somebody that doesn't have help in the house. It could be somebody that has 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 children. And they see that as being a tachlis of my life. That my husband is saying, is saying, that that's part of the tachlis of my life. And every Jewish person, man and woman, is holy and is good. It's just a question of understanding. What's, and not only understanding intellectually, but feeling. And through the course of this cipher, to learn to feel what's the tachlis of my life. What's the emiss that I have to live with? Not just the emiss occasionally, but every second that that emiss should be clear to me. Of what's the tachlis of my life. Nishtad al-Levar, the second line of page Gimel. Nishtad al-Levar, sadvar minhakal al-akavay. I'm going to try to clarify this in you. Moving from the easier to the more to the more difficult, shlav agave shlav, one step after another step, one layer upon another layer, and it's, a, it's an amazingly organized sefer, and that's why you'll find that occasionally he repeats and he summarizes. It's a wonderful, wonderful seder that he's made in, in the sefer. She shnitan. I want to build a ladder. Step after step, it should be as, as clear as possible. Shemira leneged einenu. That we should see before our eyes, olam ba'ur, a clear world, not a confusing world, a clear world. Ketzad haderech hamiyusedes lavados ayizbor shemo. What is the true way to serve him? In naschil v'nishal bnei adam. If we begin, we ask people. Manir lo b'hagimel. Manir lo b'hashkafer bishana. If you would ask a person, just off off hand, be'ezah inyan kedayv and achol naschil b'avados hashan. If you're now making up your mind that you really want to be a servant of God, you really want to be an Eved Hashem, how should you begin? How do you begin? What is the first nakuda, the first point that you should begin with now to serve Hashem according to your situation in life now? How do you begin? So, again, the Sefer was written, of course, for the guys in the Bismarck. So, he says, one would say, one person would say, well, I feel that I really have, I'm very weak in my hasmada of learning. In other words, I'm very weak in keeping up my learning and being, and being thorough with my learning and putting in enough time. Uh, and for that person who feels that he hasn't really been putting enough, enough time learning, so he would answer, well, the way that I would have to begin to serve God would be what? I'd have to begin. 
Ulusak. Uh, now, I have to work harder in my study of Torah and have to fix this. So that person, one person might say that. I really, I haven't been learning enough. I must, I must exert a greater effort in learning. I must apply myself to learning. Hashemi. Then you have another person. But maybe that's not so much his thing. Learning is not, it's, it's hard for him. Or maybe he's very, very good at learning and that's not his issue. And he puts in a lot of time. But so the second person will say, Hashemi Yashiv Shalafim Abato Amat When he looks at his, at his mitzvahs, uh, at his life. He'll say that my weakest point is Lashon My weakest point is Lashon When you look at the newspapers, the Jewish newspapers, you think the only thing that's wrong in Klaisol is Lashon Right? Like everything, all these campaigns, it certainly is a problem. And for that person, from that perspective, this is the problem of my life. And if you'll ask him, so how should you begin to serve God? He'll say, I, I have to work on my speech. I have to be careful of what I say and have to learn how it's high and I have to learn and I have to work on my Lashon He feels that he's not and he's, and he's right that he's not careful enough with, with regarding his tongue Here and there there are words that come out from his mouth that are not proper or are not permitted to say That's the second guy a third person will say, you know, by learning, you know, I try as much as I can. Especially if a person is going to work, it's very difficult. So he tries, he goes to the shoe, tries to learn a little bit. something he says, I've worked on it, I'm working on it. But there's something in my life that I feel that I've been neglecting, and I must concentrate on, and that's Shalom Bayes. I have to work on trying to make my home a better home. He feels, I must change this, and I must do it quickly. He'll say, I know that I'm not patient enough with the children of my wife. I'm just not tolerant, I'm not patient. I understand that it's true. I don't engage my kids and my wife. I don't get them involved in my life. I'm not involved enough in their, life, in their lives. Even though I might provide for them financially a nice home and nice things, but spiritually I've been neglectful of my family. I have not provided for them spiritually really what they need. And another person will say, My Shabbos. Another person will say, I, I, I don't read the right things. I don't look at the right things. Another person will say, You know, I have to work on, uh, I have to work on, on, uh, on my sneeze. I have to work on this and that. Everybody has different things. Certainly, we will need to speak to each of these individuals according to his own opinion of what he needs to work on. Because these are all true. People have, there's some people that are weaker in this and stronger in that. However, after hearing every individual person's thing of what's missing in my life and what I can do to begin serving God, how do I begin? All of these answers are not accurate. What do you mean, how can I be accurate? This guy is telling the truth. My Shalom bias is a mess. This one's telling the truth. My learning is a mess. My Lashon is not, my Lashon is terrible. They're telling the truth. And he says, yeah, and they, and, and, okay, that's something you have to speak to each person. But that's not how you begin your Avedis Hashem. And that's why I've often said that these different campaigns and these different things, to a large extent, they're so well-intentioned, but they're missing the boat. If one doesn't want to know how do you really begin to be a servant of God, and all those things are just temporary injunctions. You might work on them for a little bit. And someone can get you all for his with a couple of speeches about Shemir Zaloshan and give out like new calendars. You know, they make all these like these things, you know, to make calendars like how to, but if you don't know what it means to love that what it means to love God and subsequently to love his children, and you're not and your heart's not filled with the love of Jews, then it's very hard not to say something bad about a person. It's, people that you love, you'll say good things, and people you don't like, you, you won't say good things. So they'll have a million campaigns, anti-Lashnahara campaigns, but it never ever gets to the root of the problem. It's only dealing with symptoms. All of these problems, Shalom Bayez problems, it's a symptom. Lashnahara issues are it's a symptom. Problems that a person will look at the wrong thing, or, or, or God forbid, say the wrong, or flirt, or all of these things. These are not, that's not the underlying issue. Those are symptoms of a much deeper problem. So when we ask somebody, how would you begin to to serve God, even the study of Torah, which we always understand, that's, that's the biggest thing in the world, learning Torah. That's not the answer. Although those have to be addressed. But just making a campaign for more Torah, or anti-Lashon Torah, 
but more tzmiyus, but more this or more that or less this, less that. That's not that's not the answer. That's not the beginning of one's service of Hashem. Ella, he says, Yesh, the last sentence of Gimel, Ella Yesh Nekuda Sheroi Laaschel Ba'Etzel Kol Adam Kemat Lo Yetzel Neklat. There is one Nekuda that every single Jew shares in common. He says, Kemat Lo Yetzel Neklat. Maybe there's there's some exception, but he's just say, saying that to leave himself a little bit of a safety, you know, uh, zone. But the truth is, as we'll see, that there is a Nekuda, there is a point in Yiddishkeit that every single Jew must begin with, without any exception. And anybody who thinks that it's just this, or they're only talking about specific issues or problems, they're not talking about the underlying Nekuda of what it means to be a Jew. Dalit. Kol Echad. I don't know if I first had the next one. I think. Yeah. Kol Echad Ve'Echad. So you can look inside the set. Kol Echad Ve'Echad. Mi Itanu Nishlach Min Ha'Olam Ha'Eliyim Ha'Olam Hazeh. Every single one of us was sent from the higher world into this world. Misha Zacha, Nishlach Lakam Ganeidin. Somebody who was Zacha was sent here from Ganeidin. In other words, he's coming from paradise, from Ganeidin, from Olam Haba into this world. There are others who are not coming from a good place. In other words, they already were doing some time. And from that place of doing time in Gehenna, Hashem sent them back. Part of what they had to do, part of the sentence is to come back, is to come back, you know, to this world. That's part of the sentence. So some are coming from Ganeidin. It's Neshama that's coming from Ganeidin. And that could be even a Neshama of somebody that's already a Tzadik and was already purified and clarified. Or it could be in early generations, there's a new Neshama from Gehenna, whatever it is, a Neshama comes from Ganeidin. Or there's another Neshama that's coming from Gehenna into this world. I mean, all Neshamas, of course, began originally in Ganeidin and are going to end up eventually in Ganeidin. It's just that in between there's stuff going on. What they all share in common. Every Nisham. Regardless of whether it's coming from above to this world or it's coming from below back to this world. Every one of us. There are no, in our generation we already we know from the Mekulam that none of us are here for the first time. We've all been in the world before. There are no new Nishamas anymore. That all of us have been sent back into the world. Loyalim has that to this world. Lavod es habaris baruch in order to serve the master of the world. Mahi asiba shlemana haadam chazar laolam hazeh. What is the reason? What is the reason that for this that this that this person was sent? This specific person was sent to olam hazeh. Yesh bnei adam shoshana v'kara b'svar makdoshim. So there are some people who have learned in the Svar Makadoshim, in the in the in the Svarm, the Ro is a Mavur Baham, and have seen in the Svarm, Shekol Adam Khazar Lasakain Lafachos Khaib Echad. That every person comes back to this world to correct and to repair at least one serious or one transgression that they had done in an earlier life. That the person sent back usually is for more than one of eight. But at least one Thing that had to be has to be repaired, and the person sent back. It says in this form that that's why in his new life in this world he's going to experience very great temptations, tests, challenges, and difficulties in that area because he was sent into the world to repair this which he once botched up. So he's sent here, and he has to overcome now struggle with this thing in order to repair it to fix it. And this will be his main tikkun in this world. But the truth is, in man's service, even though that's true, just another five minutes, even though it's true that this person was sent to repair a certain sin, or to fulfill a certain mitzvah that he didn't do properly, that's not how he begins to repair the chayt by just focusing on that chayt, by focusing on this problem in his life and trying to deal with it. As I said before, by focusing on Lashon Har, by focusing on the issues of Tzniyas, by focusing on whatever other thing it is that you feel most challenged by. That's not how you begin to deal with that problem. That's not how you begin to repair it. You have to begin before that. You have to begin with what? 
When you're fixing something, like, let's say you have a house. If you have a house, and there's something in the house that's, that's broken. Kakir, like the wall is cracked, or a dela, so there's a door that's broken. Obviously, then you have to fix you have to fix the crack in the wall, and you have to fix the broken window, the broken door. Well, on in ain bias. However, if you don't have a house, ain cloud sarchlosakin, then there's nothing to fix. Tchilot sarch bias. Obviously, you first have to have a house. And then you have to repair it. If you go over to somebody who, God forbid, is homeless and you're sitting on a bench in the, in the, in the park and you say, what is it that you feel that you have to work on? What needs repair? So, and he starts to tell you, well, I think the basement could use some new paneling. And I think that the, the roof is leaking. So you wouldn't be out of your mind. You don't have a house. You're homeless. You first have to have a house before you can begin to fix things, yeah? So what the problem is, you want to fix Lashonar and you feel there's something in your life that you were sent back into this world to fix. That's, that's, that could very well be. If you're struggling with it, it could very well be. And so it is with any person, whatever those things are that he's answering, Torah, Shalom, that's true. But you, you first have to have a house. You first have to be in Evan Hashem. You first, have to have, you first have to have a relationship with God. You have to have a Yiddishkeit in order to fix something. Cain Hadovri says, well, what is Adab Allah Mazes? This is the same thing when it comes to serving God. Even though it's true. But you were sent there and you have to fix something. Sometimes you have to fix a relationship. You were once, you know, once in an earlier life, you broke an engagement with this person. Now you have to come back and get married or whatever it is. That's true. So then, these are things that have to be done and have to be worked on. So that's true. That doesn't mean that you have the whole purpose of your life. Is to what? Is to just come back and, and paste together that thing, to fix that thing. That's the end of your life, and that's it, you finish. You have to build yourself up, step by step. To make yourself do whatever Hashem. It's a true servant of God. Now that you have a house, now that you're a person, now that you're a Jew, now that you're an Hashem, now you can get to work to repair those things for which you were sent to, or that thing for which you were sent into this world. It first has to be a true building of the soul. A solid building. Clear of Hashem. And only that. He says, Sometimes a person can come back and he, he talk, he's in this world again and he fixes the sin that, he, that, he, that thing that he ruined that he messed up in an earlier Gilgal, in an earlier life. We regardless of you can do it in a couple of minutes. So what, the British won't put you to this world to live till 120 to take care of one thing? So then God forbid, that'll be it. So nobody's right mind would want to fix it when he's 20. I'll wait till I'm 120. And I'll let the doctor have the things look, doctor. He says, looks like you have another 15 minutes. Done, I'll fix it. <laughs> what am I, crazy? Why should I fix it early? If, that, if that's my life, that's the whole, my whole life is to fix this thing, it means I'm done. And if I'm done, then they'll take me away. So that can't be. What, my whole life is about Torah? My whole life is worthless? My whole life is nothing? I'll tell you a sad thing, and I can't be married now. This is, a, this is a, a painful subject. I'm talking to women who understand. Women understand and feel the pain of their friends and, and, and maybe of your own pain. That, uh, when a woman can't have Khalilah a child. So those who, here who know people like that, who have experienced it themselves, Hashem Yirachim. So Rochel Imenu said, Rochel Imenu said to Yaakov Inu, and Cain Lomazah, like, what's the purpose of my life? I have no tachlis. My whole tachlis is, is there is a family. And if I don't have, if I don't have a family, then I don't want to live. Rachel Imenu says such a thing. Uh, all right, it's on her madrig. And, and the way the Mepharshim explained Yaakov's answer and what happened over there, it's a very, very deep thing. But could that be? And then it still writes about it over there. That a person should feel that my whole tachlis... But you've heard, especially if it's a girl, she went to yeshiva, she went to seminary, all she's ever heard about is getting married and having kids. What happens to the girl that doesn't have a shitlach? What happens to the girl who's single and goes through life being single, Hashem Yerach? And all she ever heard were talks about being married and having kids. So then her whole life is Lubatala. Chas But it's a wasted life. If a person doesn't understand that the 
tachlis of life is avodas Hashem. And being married and having kids is a paragraph in that bigger picture of being an Eved Hashem. And if that's not what Hashem has given you in your life, that does not in any way discredit you as an Eved Hashem. That's the Baruch Shalom's in you. But it's Lobatala. Your life is, God forbid, worthless. Chalila. If a person, if a, a person doesn't get married, a person, Chas doesn't get married, gets married and can't have a child, it's Chalila. It's not. This is also, a, this is, it's, a, it's a painful thing. We, no one, of course, we can't judge anybody who ever goes through that. But that's a distortion. That's a distortion. And he writes, so let's finish this paragraph. He says, so then a person's entire life is Labatala, low the low. Perhaps seven lines up to the bottom of the page. Elaborah, it's clear. Shall call Adam Livnos as Nabshom Ereshadimira. The Bharashom wants each and every one of us to build our souls to be attached to him from beginning to end, from Allah to Sof. Ubinosaf Alkaf, Allah Vlasa Sima Slave Nyuchad. And in addition to that, in the context of what? Of your building yourself to whatever Hashem, he has pointed out to you that you better pay a little bit more attention to this business of Shalom Bayas, because apparently you've had problems with this in earlier lifetimes. And or you better pay attention to this Indian of 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 Lush and because you see that for you it's almost impossible to keep your mouth closed. Obviously, you went through this in earlier life and you gotta work on it. I want you to pay special attention to that. But that's not the toughness of your life. The toughness of your life is, is, is to make Hashem, is to be an Ebed Hashem. In the context of that, Hashem says, by the way, you know, like you have the yellow highlight or whatever color you like, you highlight it. So then where's some highlights that, that's, by the way, I want you to pay special attention to this Indian. But that's not your whole life. Shemach that you came into this world to, to fix. That specific detail, whatever it is, Shabbos, Lashnahara, learning talk, whatever that detail is, he says, that's not the ikir of your avodah every single second of your life. There's one general reason that every Jew has in common. Every single one of us. And not only that, but every single animal and amoeba, every single flower and every single insect. Hasn't come. All that exists. The planets, the sun, the moon, everything. Why they came to this world. You first have to understand. Not just intellectually. You have to understand and begin to live with this thought. As we're going to talk about in the Sefer. What is Taka the reason that I'm in the world? And if you think it's to fix Lashon Hara, then... You might work on that a little bit. Most likely you're going to drop that too because it's connected to a thousand other things such as love of a Jew. And like I said before, if you don't know what it means to love a Jew, then you're not going to have to work in Lashon Haber. And loving a Jew is just part of you being an Eved Hashem, of loving the one who created this Jew. And understanding what's so special about a Jew. Why should I love a Jew? I don't like this guy. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like the way she... she, she uh, I don't like the way she runs our house. I don't like this. I don't like that. Why should I love this? How can I love this person? The person said something that nice to me. The person put me at the wrong table by the chasma. So how can I love this person? That's all, that's all because you, you're trying to just focus on that one thing. But you're not, you're not part of the bigger picture of what it means to be an Eved Hashem. Once this becomes clear, what is the reason that you're in the world? Then it's not just enough to know it intellectually and to put it away as something that you know. It has to be something that you live with as before your eyes, clear to you every single minute of your life. You live with it. This is because every single moment that you're alive, the cause for your being alive, is the same reason for which you have to live. It hasn't changed. The exact reason for which God put you into this world is the same exact reason that you're alive every single moment of your life. It's the same reason. It hasn't changed. Therefore you must learn how to live with this every single day. Every hour, every moment. Therefore, when we're going to learn about knowing this, I'm not talking about intellectually, just knowing why you're in the world. Any, any child could say, uh, why he's in the world, if he learned a little bit, heard a little bit. I'm talking about knowing something in such a way, and having it in your mind, in your heart, in such a constant way, that your entire way of life is only in order to, in order to uh, correspond 
to this truth that is clear to you, in, in order to facilitate living that truth. Every single moment of your life, you have to what? You have to cause your thoughts, feelings, you have to coordinate your actions, your feelings, your thoughts, to what? To that cause for which you were created, for the reason of your creation. For the reason of your creation. So when you're saying, when I, if I say this such a sentence, well, you, you can get mincha twice a week. You have to ask yourself, is that why I was created? And how does that correspond? Or how does that relate to the purpose of my creation to say such a thing? When a person knows and understands the cause, the reason of his life, for his life, then he will know that even fixing that specific thing that he has to struggle with, whatever it is, it's all part of the much bigger picture of, of what? Of being an Eved Hashem. And for the reason for which he was created. And fixing that particular detail is only a part of the bigger issue of, of being in this world and why you were created to be in this world.